I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of the How to Do Marketing Academy, as well as small business marketing agency, Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How to Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's my mission to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because I know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. I'm uh, talking about a topic today that has really, really intrigued me over the last couple of years because, I mean, it's been around for a while now. Um, and of course, I'm talking about the topic of influencer marketing. It has been around for for a while, um, but I guess it's just kind of like a lot of things. Um, formally, it's kind of taken a little while to filter down to to the small business marketing side of things. Um, I think it's probably informally be, been used by small businesses forever. Um, just getting you know people who are popular to talk about your business. Um, it's almost a, a, a form of word of mouth or referral marketing. But the influencer marketing kind of movement as we know it today is obviously a lot different um, to that and it's much more contrived um, and, and I guess purposeful um, and it's, you know, you, you're handing over your product or your brand or your messaging to someone that got nothing to do with your business other than they have built this incredible audience of people within your business target audience. Um, It's a fascinating, fascinating industry. And it's, I mean, I think what kind of really amazes a lot of people is that, you know, people who um, who've, you know, and, and they might have certain skills, they, they might be very intelligent, they, they might not be very intelligent. Um, they're certainly very savvy, but people who've, who've kind of built these communities, not based on their, their knowledge necessarily, but really on their popularity. But what I've kind of noticed is it's not just their popularity, it's a devotion to their audience. So they don't necessarily need to be a business or, a, or have a particular skill. They're just people that have popped up and meant something to a particular group of audience. And then they've dedicated themselves to this audience. And for that reason, they've become super popular. And when you're super popular on Instagram, you know, you can have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people within your community, and that's influence. Like, that's massive influence. Um, So so it's been an incredible industry to kind of watch. But then also with with my marketing hat on to observe how this industry then kind of plugs into the strategic marketing piece and how we can use, particularly as small businesses, how we can use this movement really effectively um, to create impact and increase reach um, and, you know, align small business brands um, with the right audience by using these incredibly savvy influencers. Um, And the reason 
I guess why it's kind of come into our sphere is is I have started to, and, and actually it's been for a couple of FMCG brands that we've looked at the influencer marketing piece. And I did a marketing plan last year for an FMCG brand um, and had put some recommendations around some influencer marketing campaigns based in, in their marketing plan. Um, and then this year we put another marketing plan together for, for another, and these guys are quite a well these guys are a multinational fmcg um and we've been managing their marketing so we've been actually implementing those influencer campaigns as well and so there has been a lot that i've learned along the way and i thought it would be really good to kind of share some of these learnings um, with you guys just in case any of you are thinking about well, how do I get a piece of this influencer marketing? You know, is this something that's relevant for my small business? Is it something that I could should kind of keep my eyes out? Um, is it something that I just don't know what I don't know about? So um, if you're a business, particularly if you're a business that has an Instagram presence, influencer marketing, um, you know, or if you're a business, I was going to say that that is on Instagram or has some sort of Instagram presence, it, it most likely, I hope, means that your brand's quite relevant to that platform and your community's on that platform. Um, so influencer marketing could definitely be something that you could consider because it actually can achieve quite a lot of marketing objectives. Um so it's a, it's still a, an ever-evolving industry. Um, yeah, our experience is that it has been a highly effective marketing tactic. You know, obviously we've included it um, and it has been very much embedded within um, a full strategy. So it's part of the marketing ecosystem for us. Um, the majority of objectives that we've kind of used it for across the couple of brands is, is has, has been to increase reach and exposure and visibility of the brand and the brand's product. Um, so, yeah, these um, the influencers that we've used for the FMCG client that we're doing the marketing for, just to set the scene, um, one of them has an incredible um, platform on Instagram and she has a huge, huge amount of followers on Instagram, I think over 100,000. Um, and she also has a Facebook community as well, but her power is in, in Instagram for sure. And um, the other one has a really, really engaged community on Instagram, nowhere near as many as that in the, you know, tens of thousands. Um and but you know it's a really really engaged community but she also has things like a podcast as well as an email so the influencer marketing hasn't kind of just been limited to social media it's been something that's kind of gone across various platforms because she's got a really good engagement level across all three of those platforms so don't think that uh, influencer marketing kind of has to be restricted to Instagram. It's just that that's kind of where it occurs the most. Um, the other thing I just wanted to kind of differentiate, um, certainly will we differentiate the two um, before I talk about influencers and the learnings, the five learnings that we've had by working with influencers is Influencers um, versus ambassadors. So, so we kind of put the two in two completely different buckets. So influencers are generally paid 
um, by the business, but they have no direct tie to your business. They don't necessarily use their product. They're certainly going to, um, you know, portray that they use your product in a lot. And in, honestly, in our circumstance, they genuinely have embraced our product once we've, you know, started building up that partnership and relationship with them. They do use it but then they didn't come from your customer base. You know, they weren't one of your VIP customers or one of your biggest fans. You know, this is an advertising, this is a, an advertising deal. Um, that's influencers. Ambassadors, on the other hand, are generally, or the way that we use ambassadors, are generally your super, super keen customers um, that you've identified, you've built up a really close relationship with and now you're kind of, you know, purposefully nurturing that relationship and generally providing them with some free swag, you know, to help encourage that, um, you know, that, that they post about you or tell their friends about you um, because you know that they're your super fans. Um, so you're just really enabling them to be those super fans. So because there is actually an exchange of, you know, value, like you are giving them financial stuff that's worth something financially. Technically, they kind of, when they are posting to Instagram, they kind of do fall under the regulations that in influencers do, the advertising policies. Um, but they're not, but they are very different from influencers. Um, ad ambassadors, for example, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, be saying to them, we want this much content, you know, this much output, essentially, these are the outcomes, da 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 da, da. You're just encouraging them to, to post and whatever happens from there is, is fantastic. It's just like kind of helping or facilitating word of mouth marketing, but just knowing that these guys' word of mouth is, is on social media. <laughs> which is obviously um, in terms of reach and visibility, pretty powerful. Okay, so I'll crack on with the learnings. Um, so learning number one, influence, influencers are bloody hard workers. So, look, I know there's a lot of contention. There's, there's kind of a lot of people that, I don't know, might perceive influencers as these um, kind of lucky people that have, you know, really do nothing else except for post on Instagram all day. And look, if anyone's ever posted to Instagram, we all realise it's not actually hard to uh, post something to, to Instagram. So a lot of people are like, well, what's the value there? Like, how come they, you know, can just turn up, post something to post a photo to Instagram and, and you know, charge thousands of dollars for it? That's ridiculous. Um, you know, where that where that criticism comes from um, could be other places. It could be the fact that they're, you know, maybe a bit miffed that they hadn't thought of it. Um, but I, I just want to dispel the myth that this is an easy game because certainly from what I've seen, influencers are some of the hardest working people and some of the most devoted people that I have worked with. They're, the amount of content that they produce for their channels and for their community, I mean, I don't know, if, if you haven't worked with Instagram, like if you're not a regular Instagram poster or if you're posting to Instagram and not getting a lot of success because you're really only kind of posting one or two posts a week, you, you're not... You just you won't understand the momentum and the reach and the engagement that you get from Instagram when you feed that beast. 
And when I'm talking about feed the beast, it's not just posting stuff to the news feed. It's making sure that you're using every bit of the Instagram feature. So, yeah, you might be posting something to the news feed, but you could also be posting some, you know, you can also be posting things to the stories. And honestly, the stories is where a lot of the action and engagement is actually happening. Now, stories are ephemeral. So they only last for 24 hours, which means that you've constantly got to feed that story feature, you know, well, at least once every 24 hours to keep people there and to make sure that your little circle is at the top of your community's news feed. And ideally, you want it to be more than one story. So you want it to be five, six, seven, you know, potentially 10 stories. You want to be taking people on the journey with your, with your stories. So that's a lot of content to post in a day. Like even if you said, well, I'm posting 10 stories a day and one newsfeed post a day, that's a lot of content. Um, and then that's not to mention the reels. And reels are fiddly. And, again, if you've, if you've um, posted re- reels, you'll understand that they take a bit of time and thought. And even though you can film that content, you kind of got to think through the on your phone, you kind of got to think through the sequence and you've got to think through the logic and then you've got to create it and then you've got to edit it and then you've got to, you know, it doesn't, it's not like it, that. The reels don't take two seconds to, to, to post. Um, so there's a lot of work that goes into constantly feeding it, the, the Instagram community with all of your content. I mean, if you just think now, like, could you think of something to say on your Instagram, you know, essentially, once every couple of hours per day, can you imagine having to post to your Instagram or to your Facebook, whatever you're on, every couple of hours of every day? It's like you'd never get any bloody work done. It is a full-time job to actually build these communities. And these, the people within these communities expect their influencers to show up. Like when I started working with a lot of these influencers, I was thinking, do you ever get a day off? Like, like you've got to feed this content every, you know, for some of them, every hour of every day. And I know with a lot of them, and, and this is the benefit of stories, you, because it is ephemeral, you can kind of show up and be super authentic. And so if you're having a bad day, well, you can just get on stories and say you're having a bad day. And the irony of this is that people go nuts when you do that because everyone's like, yay, real people on Instagram. This is really refreshing. So actually turning up on a shitty day can actually be a really, you know, solid part of your strategy. But just think about that. Like I know if I'm having a really shitty day, the last bloody thing I want to do is turn up on Instagram and share that with my community. I'm like, I just want to get through the day. Or if you're busy at work or if the kids are driving you you nuts because obviously in this space there's a lot of mum influences. Um, you know, and you might get really distracted through the day. I don't know, like the constant pressure to feed that beast. Look, that's a very, very big job. So honestly, and, and, and when you actually see the reach and the engagement, because they are so committed to this and they're so committed to showing up for their community and they really know the content because they're so in their communities like day, like they're there getting feedback from them and posting and getting direct messages and comments and all of that sort of stuff. They can see which posts are resonating, which ones are not. So these guys know their audience inside out. So for me, 
you know, and, and you can see this because the, the engagement and the reach of their content is through the roof. Like it is unbelievable the numbers that some of these influencers get. And obviously we're working with influencers who haven't paid an audience and, and obviously that's something that you need to check out. Um, and, and you can do that just simply by looking at the engagement and the comments and that sort of things that are, that are visible on their Instagram feed. But honestly, it's really hard work and I don't blame them for charging the amount of money that they do because at the end of the day, they've worked really, really hard to build this community of people that know, like and trust them. And so when they're kind of showing up with content that's from another brand um, or, or, or another business that's, you know, not theirs or not necessarily something that they've kind of thought about, I understand why they would charge people, uh, you know, a princely sum to to be able to get in front of that audience. You know, if you think of radio stations, if you think of TVs, if you think of print publications, they're all charging people a, a princely sum as well in some cases to get in front of their audiences that they've also worked very hard to accumulate. It's the same. It is the same thing. Just because they've done it in a way that's non-conventional doesn't mean that there's no value attached to that. Okay, so that's learning number one. They are hard workers and honestly, a lot of the time, the content that, that you know, the, the results that they produce, um, you know, I can understand why they there is value in that and why they charge that. And so they should. Hey, if you are loving what you hear in this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show and you want to know how you can get some of this marketing happening in your own business, come and join me in my How To Do Marketing Academy Mastermind. You'll work directly with me and a bunch of other like-minded, motivated small business owners for 12 months. And in that time, I'll show you how to plan, implement and measure the marketing that is right for your business. The results that you can expect are that way more of the right type of people are going to come and get to know your business and your brand. You'll increase your leads, you'll increase your revenue, and best of all, you'll finish the 12 months with a complete and thorough understanding of exactly how to do marketing. Head on over to howtodomarketing.com.au to find out more. Now, let's get stuck back into this episode. Um, number two, it's quite an unregulated industry because it is so new and ever-evolving. Um, and, and that's kind of good in a way because no one likes to be riddled by compliance. If you just look at the financial planning industry, like those guys have to, you know, basically justify every blooming sentence they write that must be so tedious so it, at least there's an industry where um you know there's a bit of freedom and flexibility and you can still be quite you know um inventive and um innovative and and all of that sort of stuff um there is a little bit of regulation around your advertising which i'll, I'll speak of in the next point um but so what I'm talking about is, is not necessarily the regulation from the ACCC and the Advertising Standards Board. It's more in terms of working, you know, across several different influences and expecting a consistent process um, because that is definitely not the case. So 
for example, some influencers are really good in terms of they'll proactively report the metrics from their content, but then some won't. So some will provide you with a content schedule that they've planned out based on, on what you've agreed to do, and some won't. Some will have contracts to sign, some won't. Some will have agents, some won't. So the learning that we have had here is to actually own the process and the consistency of this process yourself. Because as a small business, um, and particularly when you've got a considered marketing plan and you're, you're fitting this influencer marketing in to um, you know, coincide with other campaigns that you've got going, you need to have some sort of consistency and reliability here. Um, so the learning that we've had is, you know, make sure if, if just have your own contract. So typically, you know, as the service provider, you generally have the, the contract. It's not the case there. Um, but instead of, you know, expecting them to produce it, it, it's ideal if they can, but if they can't, you produce it. So produce your own contract that binds the relationship there. That just means that, you know, if things get a bit hairy, if there's misunderstandings, because some of the conversations can be, you know, misinterpreted or they might not have the kind of business operation standards or processes in place that you do. So they might not check their emails all the time or whatever. So if, if you want to put some contractual arrangements around that, put it in your own contract and get them to sign it. It's just easier. Um also, the same goes with the content planning templates and the, you know, measurement reports. So we've just found, like, if you just produce a template that they can easily fill in for themselves, um, and again, if you just pro um, provide them with some sort of form or format or questionnaire or whatever that kind of just collects, helps them to just input the key metrics that you're looking for um, to, to ascertain, you know, how that campaign has impacted your business it's just easier and and you know the, the the influences that we've worked for have been more than happy to to just go along and um and, and complete these these forms so it's it's generally not a a problem particularly for the price that they're charging it's kind of the least that they can do in that that regard um just to make sure that that value is is absolutely actually realized because Yes, it's one thing to, to post the content, but we need to understand if that content, we're certainly not paying you just for the actual output of posting the content. We actually want to understand if that contact content has actually achieved some of our objectives. So it's fair enough request. And, um, and if they don't necessarily have the, the reporting tools or formats or, or whatever, at least you can give them to them and then they're in a format and, and they're giving them the data that, they're giving you the data that you need. Um, so number three, the regulation that does exist. So the ACCC, which is the Australian Competition and Consumer Com Commission, has placed some regulation around influencer transparency. So now influencers must declare when their content is sponsored and they can do this by using a paid partnership tag and we recommend just becoming familiar with these rules because there's a few nuances around those rules so that you can ensure that this compliance is being adhered to. So as far as I understand it, it's actually the influencer who is fined if they don't comply with the ACCC guidelines. But as a brand, you just don't want to be caught in that fallout. Um, that's never good. You know, there are influencers that are in 
the news for being pinged by, um, you know, the regulators. So, you you know, you don't want your brand to be pulled through that bit of mud. Um what we have found, and of course you will never get this straight from Instagram, is that sometimes that declaration of paid partnership can affect results. So my interpretation, and this is certainly not fact, it's just what I've observed, is that as soon as the influencer declares that there's a particular piece of content that's sponsored or that's a paid partnership, Instagram will obviously pick that up and then treat it more like a business post as opposed to more of an organic content post. And we all know what happens when Facebook and Instagram um, see that it's a business post. They definitely reduce the visibility of that and, and because they want you to pay for that. And, you know, just like businesses that they want to encourage to, to promote their, their content on the platform, you know, if Instagram, if Instagram influencers are making a pretty penny from the platform, well, of course they they want a piece of that pie. Uh, we're all in business. You know, we can all understand why that would happen. So yeah, and and I certainly wouldn't recommend trying to navigate around that regulation at all because you you don't want to get pinged, and you certainly don't want your influencer to get pinged. Um, but just be aware of it. Just be aware that 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 ha- ha- happens. And, you know, I don't know how compliant all influencers are on that rule. The good ones, the professional ones, the ones that, are, you know, are, are making a good business out of this will be really um, proactive in making sure that they follow that, that compliance. Okay, so learning number four is um, budget. So I've spoken a lot here, and as I said, we've we've been working for some kind of bigger businesses, um, and the reason why we we do that is so that we can bring some of these learnings that we get to learn by working with big businesses back into small business land because sometimes when we're working with a lot of small business budgets, it doesn't allow us to kind of expand into to some of these new areas as much um, so we like to, to take on some bigger budgets so that we can so that we can um, and learn from that so um, the budget issue so yeah I've, I'm talking about some some big budgets and some um, high value posts and and Instagram coverage by some of these influencers um, honestly the the money that we're paying the influencers, you will never find me putting that kind of a budget in a small business marketing plan because it just wouldn't make sense. It's ridiculous. It's all in, it's all relative and contextual. So for these brands, it makes sense because they can, you know, that that's exactly what they need. That's exactly the le- level of visibility that they need um, and they can service that and will service that. You don't need to spend that much for most small businesses. So, but that doesn't rule you out um, of using influencers altogether because, yes, there's the big ones and that certainly the ones that um, are working for a lot of the bigger brands and they've got a really big and successful business out of what they do, um, you know, they will be charging a lot for um, any of the coverage that, that you want. Having said that, you know, depending on what your objectives are, if you've got a massive launch with lots of prospect and, you know, you really need to sell some big numbers of something, you know, 
don't be afraid to reach out to them because sometimes it's not as much as you actually think it is or sometimes you can actually kind of come to an agreement with a with a budget that's that's not too bad um but the, at the end of the day, it's it's just making sure that the outcomes will be delivered um, with that with that budget, and and it's not just about okay, we'll do one post and da, 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 you know three stories and a reel, okay, great. But what does that look like? Like, what would you expect that reach to be? What would you expect, or how is it best? Because what we're trying to do is um, grow our Instagram community, or what we're trying to do is get in front of five hundred thousand people, five hundred thousand mums whoever your target audience is you know how do you think posting that content will help us achieve that goal so always be you know focused on the outcome because that's where the value is um but micro influencers can also just be be as just as effective so of course everything's relative with emerging influencers or micro influencers <laughs> you'll you'll definitely pay less. You'll you'll certainly have a lot more inconsistency because a lot of these influencers are just starting out. And again, you know, if they don't come from a business background, they're not necessarily going to have, you know, to know what to do in terms of putting a content plan together for you know a brand or or measurements or whatever because they're just you know building their community on Instagram. Um, so yeah, so there's probably even more requirement for you there to have some processes in place and just, you know, gently taking them on the journey, um, so that you can achieve the objectives that, that you're looking to, um, achieve, you know, look at the end of the day, micro influencers, macro influencers, if you're, you know, communicating your objectives, your expectations, you know, your processes, if they're all being clear, clearly communicated and agreed upon, you know, it's it's going to be successful with, with either um, of, the, of that bunch. So, yeah, so I guess the conclusion of that point is don't be afraid by some of the big budgets that some of these influencers can charge because there's a lot of micro, mid-level influencers who are going to be happy with a bit of product it's not even going to necessarily cost you dollars to to post um, but just be really vigilant in doing your research I would follow them for a while I would be assessing their comments the comments that they receive like just make sure that that community is really engaged um, that they haven't bought any followers um, or they haven't built a community rapidly, but that community is not engaged because you can have a big follower base and and not have not have a, a very engaged following. And as a brand paying for content and getting in front of community, that's that's not what you want. So learning number five is. Influencers know their audience a hell of a lot better than you do. So when it comes to content planning and content creation, don't be too prescriptive um, when you're working with them because at the end of the day, as I said in, in point number one, these guys are talking with their community, are receiving DMs, are receiving comments, are receiving likes and loves and all the rest, you know, every pretty much every hour of every day. They know what resonates and they know what 
doesn't. So you want to, you don't want to just turn up and say, this is the post, you know, grab some ad that you've run on your Facebook page or whatever and say, this is the post that we want you to post because that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. You know, it's going to seem very inauthentic to their feed um, and it's and it's going to just look like it's exactly that, an ad. And we know what happens when people see things as an ad. You know, they'll skip past. It's not the content that they're necessarily looking to engage with. What we've found is really, really effective is actually just like we would do with any creative that we work with, take them a brief and say, look, this is what we're looking to achieve, you know, Here's our overall broad marketing strategy. Here's the target audience that we want to get in front of. This is what we're looking to do as a business and a brand. Here's the specific marketing objectives that we're looking to achieve with this campaign. Um, and, you know, here's, here's the products that we would like to promote. Is there a way that you think you know, you come up with a way that you think will resonate with your audience and meet our objectives. And then they're they're generally, I mean, they're creating content all the time. They know how to create content. But to make sure that it's on brand, you know, provide them with your brand style guide. Provide them with any kind of brand, um, uh, I guess, qu- uh, quirks, you know, if there's certain, there's a t- tonality to your brand, if if your brand is is really conservative or if your brand is really funny and humorous, you know, give them this information so that they can incorporate as much of your brand personality in to their content. And if you do this, honestly, the more information that you provide for them, the more you're both going to win because it's going to land, even if it says paid sponsorship, it's going to land in their feed and be really, really relevant to their community. So hopefully your reach and engagement won't, you know, be sacrificed. Um, And it just means that, you know, you will get that reach and and engagement that that you're, you're paying for at the end of the day. So, Yes, that is my five tips to, or my five learnings, I should say, um, that we have learned uh, along the way with with working with influencers. And um, on the whole, you know, I would definitely recommend working with, with influencers, particularly when it comes to increasing your visibility um, in, you know, a, a target audience that, that, um, that these people generally have have built um increasing reach increasing visibility brand alignment all really really solid objectives that influencer marketing campaigns can achieve so i hope that has helped and um i'd love to hear about any of your experiences with influencer marketing Um, or if you are thinking of running some influencer campaigns in the future 
Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. And remember, if you want to know how you can get some of this marketing happening in your own business, come and join me in my How To Do Marketing Academy Mastermind. It has been developed just for small business owners like you. Head to howtodomarketing.com.au. And until next time, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 